He grew up in a mansion in New York City. She grew up here in Oklahoma. He got millions from his dad's real estate empire. Her dad ended up a janitor. He scammed students at his for-profit school. She got debts forgiven for students who were scammed. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Trump's life taught him how to get rich on the backs of others. Elizabeth Warren will be a president who works for you. I'm Elizabeth Warren and I approve this message. And it's Hog Planet, and we started the episode with uh, an endorsement of the topic of today's show, Elizabeth Warren, from a honestly just hog of feminism, I think we can say, <laughs> Roxanne Gay. Now, Sam, that that reading was fucking so bad. I'm Dan Spaventa, joined now by... By myself, by Sam, uh, Sam Lewis. I I cannot get over how unspeakably flat Roxanne Gay's read is in that ad. I it's it's clear that Elizabeth Warren did not choose Roxanne Gay for her voice acting abilities. It's more just to have Roxanne Gay's name on her campaign. Yeah. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Roxanne Gay suggested that uh she should be commended for her restraint for not like throttling Susan Sarandon on a flight. Yeah. I mean, my reaction to that was, you know, if I saw Susan Sarandon in public, it would take me a lot of restraint not to go up to her and tell her that she's a damn hero. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Thank you for your service, Ms. Sarandon. Um, all right. Roxanne Gay sucks kind of hollow like i've read some of her stuff like she had that big book called like hunger definitely just someone who exists for like the npr crowd to like feel woke yeah she's really good for people who want to feel like they are smart and well read but don't want to actually do any hard reading to achieve that status and i don't know that really brings us to why she is the perfect surrogate for Elizabeth Warren. Um, why, Sam, did we want to do an Elizabeth Warren episode? And before you answer that, I'm not going to pull the clip, but I did go back and look at our episode when the story broke about Elizabeth Warren's fake Native American heritage DNA test. You know, the video her campaign released uh, about her blood quantum uh, I went back and listened to our episode where we talked about that, and in it, we suggested that she could not possibly be the nominee. And honestly, there were times since uh, that recording, which was, God, I guess it was over a year ago, um, that I had maybe faltered on that, and I always was definitely for Bernie Sanders, like since, you know, 2015, 2016, uh, but... I, I thought of Warren as like an ally. I do not think that anymore. So why are we covering Warren right now? No, definitely that whole saga, which we're going to go into the details of later on, was disqualifying for her, at least in my mind and in many other people's minds. I think the people who are willing to move past that are 
clearly not anyone who cares care about the Native Americans or what they think about that whole debacle. But either way, I think we need to talk about Elizabeth Warren because we're in the midst of the primary season now. We're underway. And our boy, Bernie, is he's fighting in the trenches. He's organizing like hell. He's got an army of volunteers in every primary state. He's fighting the good fight. But Elizabeth Warren at this point is a bit of a spoiler to the point that if the roles were reversed, if Elizabeth Warren was kind of leading or polling the way that Bernie is polling right now, then and and, and uh, Sanders was polling the way that Warren is polling right now, people will be telling Sanders to drop out, which they've been doing all the time. Obviously, they're going to do that because they don't like a lot of people don't like Bernie Sanders, especially in you know the media and Democratic establishment. But where we're at right now is that Elizabeth Warren is definitely siphoning off a large percentage of the votes that should be going to Bernie. And if she was not in the race, I think Bernie would have a much easier time. So at this point, it seems as if her third place finish in the Iowa caucuses would have been unthinkable a few months ago when the supposed Warren surge was happening. Now we'll go, we'll go kind of more chronologically, I guess, but whatever chance she had to be the, you know, standard bearer for like progressives, she has squandered. And there have been several points where she completely botched her campaign. Uh, It is full of clearly incompetent staffers who worked for, the objectively awfully run campaigns of Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, uh, Beto O'Rourke, and others. But I don't know. There's so there's so much to go into here. Uh, she's a fake friend. She is someone who I don't think the left has any business uh, expecting to be on our side anymore. No, absolutely not. And... As we're going to go into, she really is kind of a serial liar, but more than the lies, it's the exaggerations that get her into trouble. And she doesn't remain consistent over time. And it's something that we should inherently distrust because you hear her come out and say a lot of things, even now, that have been either largely debunked or are just were never really that true to begin with. Um, specifically in that Roxanne Gay ad, she said, Elizabeth Warren says that her father worked as a janitor. Now, this is, it's at best, it's a poor choice of words. And even her own brother has in the past gotten mad at the assertion that her father, that she says repeatedly that he was a janitor. And the use of the word janitor seems to, it seems to be something that she's trying to do to imply her working class background. As the baby daughter of a janitor, I am so grateful to be up on this stage tonight. What are the contents of this backstory that she is touting? I know there was an Oklahoma you know, like upbringing. Well, okay. So she was, she was born Elizabeth Herring in Oklahoma city, June 22nd, 1949. She was the last of four children, the only daughter to a working class family. Uh, her father had previously worked as a salesman and then later as a maintenance man, which is what she calls a janitor, which 
you know, obviously we're getting into semantics at this point, but clearly she would prefer the word janitor to, I guess, suggest that he is he was at a lower station than he maybe was. But uh, And he worked in an apartment building as a maintenance man during that time. But uh, he was originally a self-taught civilian pilot instructor during World War II. There's a bizarre story about him losing his life savings to his business partner in a car dealership. Um, but what's interesting about the janitor thing is that her... Her brothers, all three of whom are do not have the same background as her or that she has now. I believe they're all Republicans, right? Yes, and she was a Republican for most of her life. I mean, Oklahoma is not known for being the most liberal place on earth. And she grew up in a pretty strongly Methodist neighborhood and household. Um, but yeah, specifically her brothers have not spoken to the press since 2012, which is also when she ran for Senate, which is, you know, interesting timing there. But her brother David in 2012 gave an interview to a local magazine, which said that, uh, quote, he had said that he had to be careful about what he said so as not to upset her sister or the campaign. Basically, she put the gag order on her brothers because of her political ambitions, uh, were threatened by them, perhaps, uh, clarifying her embellished stories with a little truth. Yes, and w- Pamela Winblood, who was a longtime friend of David Herring, said that he was actually furious that she had characterized her dad's maintenance job as that of a, quote, janitor. So, I don't know. That's that's obviously not the only lie she tells from her stories. There's the an infamous one, the her story that her parents eloped, uh, it, which is something that, Warren said in 2012, but the record seems to contradict that. The source who did the research on Elizabeth Warren uh, and this uh, and on her parents' marriage is someone named Twilla Barnes. She's a self-described Cherokee genealogist who tracked down Warren's parents' marriage license and found that the wedding was performed by a prominent Methodist clergyman, not a justice of the peace, which is what you do when you elope. Uh, she also noted that a detailed wedding announcement was posted in the local newspaper in Wetumpka, Oklahoma, which is where they got married. Um, Hang on. If it's in the fucking newspaper, yeah. that's not an elope. That's not elopement. What are we fucking doing here? That is not el- eloping implies some sort of fucking like risk or danger or like, you know, we went against our. This is also indicative of her lies, both the janitor thing and the elopement, because it's kind of a thing where it's it's not really easy to to disprove the lie. It's very hard in general to prove a negative. It's hard to prove that her parents did not elope. For all we know, I mean, I don't know, maybe they fucking put it in the newspaper and had some prominent local clergyman do it, but it was still against her parents' wish or, or you know, her parents' parents' wishes and there was some racial element in it in their family. Like we can't necessarily disprove that, but it does not the evidence that that uh, Barnes found does not suggest that this is the truth. And um, there's what we should put in a clip here of Elizabeth Warren in 2012 saying that she, she mentions the, the marriage, the marriage as evidence of her native heritage, which also gets called into question later on. And she gives a very interesting analogy to how she would identify if she had a black ancestor. So what I know about my parents is I know 
that in that little town they grew up in, that my father's parents knew enough about my mother and her family. So you have no doubt. To say, I have no doubt. Well, let's assume then that that's the fact, that you're one thirty-second. No, that doesn't tell you. Don't do that. Well, why, why shouldn't I do that? But that is the fact, it, no, is it not? No, it is not. Why not? It's not about the number. There are lots of people who Forget are not enrolled in tribes. Forget the number. You uh, have acknowledged that in that national law directory, you listed yourself as a minority. If your family had an African-American, like you have that grandparent or great-great-grandparent was a Cherokee, would you call yourself a black and expect African-Americans to accept that? You mean if... If, if that my same, father's, if that same, well, let me think about this. If, if that my, same ancestor was black and not my, a Cherokee. It's not that ancestor. It's if my father's parents had said, you can't marry her because she's yeah, black. We, fine, and that had been that part of our family growing up, that we had two different families. You would be comfortable it saying you're black? Part, it, it would be part of identification. Well, I can't say that was the slickest answer. No. Uh, not great. So... Either way, I guess a little bit more about her family life. She was the only college graduate of her siblings, uh, despite the fact that the family relocated when she was younger to Norman, Oklahoma, which at that time was basically open prairie, but it had cheap housing and it was close to the University of Oklahoma. Uh, another fun detail is that her family calls her Betsy. Now that's a down-home uh, southern girl. Yeah, down home is definitely the word. Like I said, she was raised Methodist in Oklahoma. That counts as the Bible Belt. Uh, Joe Pryor, Oklahoma City realtor who competed with Warren on the high school debate team, said, quote, It was a pretty provincial town of true believers. We believed in the American way. We believed in the system. We got emotional at the flag salute. So what do you think shaped her politics as a young person? So supposedly she, as a young person, obviously she, she she later goes on to say that she was less well off than a lot of her friends at the time and people at her high school. So she, I guess, developed a little bit of like this class consciousness, but she claims that like she realized the world was larger than Norman, Oklahoma, when this guy James Garner, who was the star of the TV Western Maverick, uh, made a return visit in the late 1950s to Warren's elementary school, which he had attended, and that he had an, he had an aunt who taught th there. Uh, and she said, quote, I realized there were possibilities in this world you could get from here to there. And he apparently touched her on the shoulder when she was eight years old. She bragged to her friends and argued with them about who had made eye contact with Garner for the longest time. <laughs> I. That's nice. Good for her. <laughs> it's heartwarming. It's a it's a fun story about meeting your idols and learning about the world that's larger than yourself. Either way. Uh, so she moved from Norman to Oklahoma City when she was 11. She becomes a big debate nerd at a very preppy high school, Northwest Classen High School. She skipped the sixth grade. Uh, interesting fact about Northwest Classen High School, uh, product of her age. Her school remained 100% white, even after the Brown versus Board of Education decision. Ooh, oopsie. Yeah, she graduated before school busing became a huge racial flashpoint in Oklahoma. But apparently at this time, her parents struggled to keep up appearances around wealthier families. Her dad had suffered a heart attack and had to take a massive pay cut at his job at the Mar Montgomery Ward department store. Uh, this is when her family's Oldsmobile was repossessed, which is a common kind of hard knock life story that she tells. And about the time I was in middle school, um, my daddy had a heart attack. And it was serious. Thought he was going to die. Uh, the church neighbors brought covered dishes. It was a scary time. 
He survived, but he couldn't go back to work. And we lost our family station wagon. And at night, I'd hear my parents talk. And um, that's where I learned words like mortgage and foreclosure. She also said that she rarely had friends over because she was ashamed of her house. Uh, she claims also that she had never been to a reunion and never visited the friends that she had in high school, saying, quote, it doesn't make me happy to go back and talk about how great high school was. So what I think what I take from this is that she did not have any friends. No, listen, like, you know, a lot of people are lonely in high school for someone who becomes a United States senator. You know what? I imagine many of them uh, grew up friendless. Absolutely. She she also claimed that she was one of the few girls on the debate team, but if people looked at back at her yearbook and showed that there were only slightly more boys than girls in the debate team, again, exa- example of a little bit of embellishment about her past. But uh, a little bit more about her family. Her older brother, Don, actually did a few tours in Vietnam over a six-year period. Uh, she, she at the time said, quote, it's not like somebody said, should we oppose, support or oppose? Of course we supported the war. This was our family that was there, our country. That was just how we saw it. Yeah, I, I have to say, it's funny how in every debate she says, Oh, you know, I have these four, I have four brothers who were veterans. Anyone who wasn't against Vietnam at the time is a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to, to bring these, to say nowadays, like, oh, well, how could we have known when we know now how brutal the Vietnam War was to all of South Asia, the illegal bombing of Cambodia, the amount of napalm and Agent Orange we dumped on the place, and the birth, resultant birth defects that still affect Vietnamese people to this day. I mean, it's just a little flippant to be like, well, those were different times back when genocide was fine. But either way, she graduated at 16 from high school. She won a debate scholarship to George Washington University. Then she later transferred to University of Houston after two years. She married Jim Warren, uh, who... Obviously, she took his name. He was an IBM engineer. She was 19 when she got married. And uh, she said she didn't even apply to Oklahoma State or University of Oklahoma, even though the family had moved initially to Norman, Oklahoma, so that she would be able to stay close to home if she did attend it. This kind of is more evidence of like the idea that she... I mean, as much as she harkens back to these early days of her modest upbringing in middle America and in the Midwest, she very much wanted to flee that. And she did succeed, as we'll see in her later career. This is the point in her life where she starts to develop her education and legal acumen. Of course, there are some more weird lies and inconsistencies along the way. She, so she graduated University of Houston in 1970 with a Bachelor of Science in Speech Pathology and Audiology. Then she moved to New Jersey when her husband, Jim, received a job transfer. So after college, she worked as a speech pathologist for special needs children in Riverdale, New Jersey. Um, and this is from 1970 to 1971. But she claims that she didn't get a job the following year because she was visibly pregnant with Amelia, her daughter, and her first child. Um, this may not be true. So in a 2000 interview with Harry Chrysler of UC Berkeley, she says, quote, I was married at 19 and graduated from college after I'd married. And my first year post-graduation, I worked in a public school system with the children with disabilities. I did that for a year. And then that summer, I didn't have the education courses. So I was on a, quote, emergency certificate, it was called. I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. I was pregnant with my first baby. So I had a baby and stayed home for a couple of years. 
And I was really casting about thinking, what am I going to do? My husband's view of it was stay home. We'll have children and we'll have more children. You'll love this. And I was very restless about it. There are also minutes from the regular meeting of Riverdale Board of Education from that time period showing a unanimous unanimous vote to extend her teaching contract in August 1970, but later noting that the board accepted her resignation with regret on June 30th, 1971. The minutes also corroborate what she said in the 2000 interview regarding her emergency certificate, but the timeline, I, I guess you could say the timeline does conceivably work. In April, she would have been less visibly pregnant than in June. So again, hard to like disprove the notion that she was fired because she was pregnant but her earlier interview does suggest that she chose to leave and it's very interesting to contrast that we should definitely put a clip in here of what she has been saying on the campaign trail which is like i was visibly pregnant and i could have been working with those special needs children for my whole life but then that damn principal fired me so my first teaching position was as a special needs teacher I loved that job, but by the end of the first school year, I was quite visibly pregnant, and the principal didn't invite me back for the next school year. So I found myself at home with a baby, and yep, those were the days, um, and I got this idea that I could go to law school. Is it accurate to say you were fired, or were you forced to resign, or how would we characterize this? You know, look, I, it doesn't matter much what the term is, but let's be clear. I was six months pregnant, uh, it was my first job, I was 22 years old, and uh, the job that was mine, that I'd been hired for for the next year, was taken away when they knew I was pregnant. Just to be clear, because I want to make sure I have this down, mm -hmm. they were not incorrect though to say that you were fired. Yeah, I, I don't know what else you'd call it. I mean, it was my job. In, and in April, they'd said, you're doing a great job, come back next year. And when they found out I was pregnant, they changed that. Yeah, I think you can tell from that excerpted moments from the speeches, she's stumping around. You don't want to be the person who straight up is like, you know, deny. no one is denying that people are discriminated against like women are discriminated against for being pregnant you know at their jobs but it just seems like warren i don't know there's a lot of like good investigative reporters who have as we're going through like kind of debunked a lot of her biography that she presents exactly i mean yeah like i said it's it's not really possible to prove a negative on this uh, she could, you know, the minutes and the interview could be just an example of keeping up with appearances, but it kind of doesn't matter because she, if she goes out and says these things, people kind of believe what they want to believe. And especially in these, the, the age of horse race, political news, and people don't really do research. And, you know, there's only so much you can really glean from the research anyway, but I don't know. My take is that if, you know, if you can be brought down this, if your, if your story can be brought down this easily then i don't know it's not like really worth it don't use it try to get by on your actual like ideas about how to fix society and not on these like personal biographical details yeah like if you have if you're the i've got a plan for that 
lady. And that is what her slogan is, is I've got a plan for that. She says it all the time. Then just run with that. You don't need to get by on these, you know, shallow kind of identity points. But yeah, what what's next on Elizabeth Warren's road to Harvard? <laughs> So after her daughter Amelia turned two, uh, Warren began law school at Rutgers Newark, which is at the time, and I think still kind of is, a quote-unquote commuter school. Elizabeth Warren did get into the 96th percentile on the LSAT. She did very well. Congratulations. Uh, She at that time indicated that she was not interested in applying for the school's program for minority group students, which is you know, something that may come up later on, but interesting. <laughs> she was a summer associate at Cabulator Wickersham and Taft, and she uh, graduated in 1976 just after becoming pregnant with her second child, Alexander. She then passed the bar. She started working from home as a lawyer, which I mean, the good old days of being a lawyer, I guess, and worked as a lecturer at Rutgers before eventually moving to the University of Houston Law Center, where she became an associate dean, obtained tenure, and eventually moved between a number of universities in Texas, as well as teaching Sunday school at this time. Um, at, it's also interesting to note at this time, she marked other for her race at University of Houston. But to be fair, white was not an option. Only black, uh, sorry for what I'm about to say, oriental or Mexican-American. Oof. Those were the three choices. <laughs> and other. <laughs> huh. So wait, just Mexican American, not like 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 not like Latino or whatever. Yeah, Mexican uh, again, Oriental and Black or other were the only choices. So I don't know. It's Houston. Who knows what's going on down there? But yeah, it's close to Mexico, I guess. Whatever. At the t- so then, uh, moving on with her personal life, she divorced her husband in 1978, Jim Warren, and. You go, girl. Exactly. Slay queen. But so then she married a law professor named Bruce H. Mann, who is her current husband, on July. Bruce! <laughs> not, not the boss, sadly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they were married in, on July 12th, 1980. She did keep her first husband's surname. But more, interesting, more interestingly, she proposed to Bruce, not the other way around. And I mean, not that Hell anyone has. Yeah. <laughs> not that anyone needs to, uh, to adhere to gender norms and have. You know, obviously, like the man doesn't always have to have to propose, but I do think that's a fun detail. Uh, she did so after watching him teach a class. Uh, she was already a law professor herself at this time, so it's not like he was. You know, it's there's no impropriety there or anything. But no, it's kind of cute how she was just like watching him just in the zone lecturing, and she's horny like watching him lecture and she's just overcome and is like, I can't wait for this schmuck to propose to me. I have to just get this done. Yeah. I think of the, of the details that we have about Liz Warren's life and her, especially her personal life. I think that is one of the cuter details. Either way, uh, Warren goes on to distinguish herself in bankruptcy law. She comes to realize that most people who go bankrupt are not relentless over consumers as the media would have you believe. Um, and her career trajectory on its face is super impressive. She went from Rutgers to University of Houston, then to University of Texas, which is at that time and still is in some fields, one of the top law schools in the country, then UPenn, and then famously Harvard. But uh, before we get there, we need to start mentioning the fact that this is also when she starts kind of embracing her native, her imagined Native American heritage and saying that she is a descendant of the Cherokee and Delaware tribes. So from what I understand, the Cherokee tribes, in fact, keep like a detailed uh, like census, like, or, you know, a list of like who actually 
is in the Cherokee community. I don't think that uh, her decimal point percentage uh, would would qualify her uh, on any of that. Right. What's interesting about her claims to Native American heritage is that she most of it is predicated on this idea that like she heard stories from her older relatives about a you know a native american ancestor so it's not that she was had tribe membership it's not that she was raised the way the Native Americans in this day and age are raised in this country it's that she has this ancestor and that she has she has a hereditary claim like a genetic claim to Native American heritage but that as that became you know was debunked later by her own video later on she ends up sort of circling around saying no i had the experience of a native american you know my parents had to elope and we had all these stories but if you had the experience of being a native american why don't you have tribal citizenship why weren't you raised that way you know you can't have it's like she tries to play both sides and walk this very delicate line when in reality it seems more likely than not that she does not have any real claim to native american heritage but Either way, she and she did check white on personnel forms as her race in 1981, 1985, and 1988 when she was employed at the University of Texas. Uh, but in 1984, she did contribute recipes for crab with tomato mayonnaise dressing and cold omelets with crab meat to the Pow Wow Chow, a collection of recipes from families of the five civilized tribes, Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole. Uh, the book is now out of print. Apparently, from the images of the book that still <laughs> exist, she did at least partially plagiarize these recipes from a French chef named Pierre Franet of La, Le Pavillon. Uh, it wasn't it like from the New York Times? Like something so like easily, you know? I know. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, she's number one. She's pretending to be Native American there and also pretending to know how to cook, which I don't want to do this too much this episode, but. Uh, for a moment, just imagine if Bernie Sanders in like 1975 uh, was running around saying he was Chinese and was like, like he had like dumpling recipes in a book. My grandmother knows how to make the best wontons you've ever had. People would want his head, but for some reason we're told to just swallow it and move on that Warren has all this weird fucking... Is that appropriation? I don't even know what the right word is. It's just these weird instances where she has, uh, for political gain, embellished her heritage and her story. More than just the cookbook, in the 1986 and 1987 edition of the Association of American Law Schools Directory and eight subsequent editions until 1995, Elizabeth Warren listed herself as Native American. At the time, she was teaching variously at the University of Texas and the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, in April 2012, when this story broke, she claimed that she did not recall using her heritage to claim a minority status and uh, did not know later on that Harvard was promoting her as a minority professor. But she did claim that she had Native American blood. Uh, a little more detail on the Association of American Law Schools. It is a nonprofit education association that represents 10,000 faculty members in 176 law schools. Information in the directory is provided by deans or by the faculty mem members themselves. 
dean's offices provided their lists of professors. Those who did not provide previously provide information on their backgrounds were asked by the directory to fill out a faculty questionnaire, and it includes, quote, those legal educators who stated that they were members of a minority group. So also in 1986, so I mean, like this is a kind of official document in my mind. The American, the Association of American Law School Directory is kind of a desk book, and she, in a very legal document, she is saying that she's Native American. But in 1986, she, on arguably like the most legal document that exists, her state bar license in Texas, she very clearly, in her own handwriting, lists her race as American Indian. it's not great it's pretty bad i mean i feel like we all have like some what could be considered like you know minority uh, race like blooding us like to the decimal point right like this is not this is not uh an excuse to qualify yourself this way no, and definitely not on, like, a very legal document, like I said. And, and Harvard touted her as its first women of color to, that they hired in the law school. One, unequivocally, that is true. And uh, But she, either way, about the bar license, she addressed it to CNN, and she apologized for saying, quote, she learned from family stories. She acknowledged that she's not a member of a tribe or hol- holding tribal citizenship, and one of the best moments was when a reporter asked her if there were other documents that may surface where she indicated she was Native American. She does not say no. She says, quote, look, this is what I grew up believing with my brothers. This is our family story. And it's all consistent from that point in time, which kind of reminds me of like when, when Justin Trudeau, all those pictures of him doing blackface came out and he was like, look, there might be other pictures. I I do this all the fucking time. Apparently. His best line was, I am extremely passionate about Halloween yes. and costumes. Oh, God. Oh, what a mess. <laughs> uh, and and he, him also, another liberal darling. But, I mean, liberals are pretty racist. It's, it's documented. But uh, either way, in December 1989, she changed her listed ethnicity from white to Native American three years Aye. after being hired at UPenn. Um, there's a, there is a document that shows her very clearly marking that she is Native American, which uh, the Boston Globe unearthed in September 2018. And uh, I guess, like, this is this, the, the change there is significant to liberals because she was considered white at first, but then she changed her mind and listed as Native American after being hired. Remember that Trump and a lot of the Elizabeth Warren naysayers, like, uh, that we'll we'll talk about later in the art in this episode are th- their criticism of her listing herself as Native American is hinged on the idea that you know obviously she got hired at Harvard because she because she's Native American it's some affirmative action thing and this is of course a big signal to their base because the you know the racist Republican based absolutely hates the idea of affirmative action is assuming that you know undeserving minorities are getting all the jobs that they deserve as hardworking white Americans but the I don't think that disproving that like she just because she got hired as a white woman and then later changed her race the way she's listed it doesn't really change the fact that it is fucked up to present yourself as native american regardless of how you do it if you're not native american like it's not really 
all about whether or not she got hired on that basis. I think it's also just a matter of principle that you should be honest and not you know, literally appropriate someone's culture. Like I, I am speaking, I, you know, surprise to the, all the listeners, I'm white, but even in my family, people, there is, there were all these rumors that went around about like, well, you know, your grandfather had like a, a native American ancestor. And I grew up with dumb stories like that too, until my cousin did a lot of geneal- genealogical research on my family and found out that it was not true. And most crucially, I don't go around saying I'm native American just because some people told me some rumors in my family. Like that was a very widespread rumor in my family. I can't disprove that it was as widespread in my family as it was in her family. But the difference is that you don't see me out here claiming to be Native American. I've never purported myself that way at all. An easy way to contextualize this is think of, sorry, Rachel Dolezal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not about how you identify. This isn't like your your sexuality. It's, you know, your race is something that people apply to you. It is not really something that you get to, like, decide for yourself. And, yeah, either way. Um, in 1994, another example of her, uh, be, of her employer pur- purporting her to be Native American, she won a teaching award at UPenn, and the university's minority equity report showed her name bold and italicized to indicate that she was a minority. Uh, and this is, you know, this is also around the time where Elizabeth Warren starts working at Harvard. In 1992, she started at Harvard as a visiting professor. At 90, in 93, she was offered a tenured job at Harvard, uh, which she jo- accepted and joined in 1995. One year later, she was the highest paid professor at Harvard who was not a dean, earning $291,876 annually. So a very handsome salary. Good for her, I guess. <laughs> And and like I said, I don't I don't think that she was hired on the basis of being Native American. But as we're going to go into, Harvard was totally fine with after they hired her claiming that she was Native American. All the information we have seems to suggest that she was evaluated as a white woman when she was hired at Harvard. But I, I think before we get there, we need to talk about the fact that at that time, there were vast controversies at Harvard Law School about the, you know, its diversity or lack thereof in, in, amongst its faculty. So this was one of the first times that students organized across race, gender, sexual orientation, and ability for faculty diversity, which is something that's relatively commonplace now. Harvard, a racist institution? <laughs> I go <laughs> figure, have, right? Who would have thought? But either way, in fall 1992, only five women total had tenure on the faculty at Harvard Law School out of 50 tenured faculty total. Uh, In November 1990, an HLS organization called the Coalition for Civil Rights, which was made up of other student organizations such as the Black Law Students Association, Latino LSA, Asian American LSA, etc., actually sued Harvard University Pro Se on the basis that Harvard was engaging in discriminatory faculty hiring practices. In spring 1992, uh, students occupied the hall in front of the dean's office partially to protest the lack of diversity in its faculty. This was known as the Griswold Nine incident. So then in December 1992 and February 1993, students gathered outside Pound Hall on Harvard's campus to hold a vigil, which was organized by seven different student groups to advocate for Warren and another female visiting professor. Warren ended up getting tenure the night of the February vigil. Like I said earlier on, 
the questions around Elizabeth Warren, the, the the theories posited by by Trump and other Republicans is that she was hired because she was Native American. And granted, she was hired around this cultural zeitgeist. But um, apparently in the interview process, and I'm quoting from an October 2018 Bo- uh, Boston Globe article, she was considered white, but once she joined the staff in 1995, she self-identified as Native American, and Harvard recorded her as such from 1995 to 2004. So perhaps in her hiring, it, it wasn't deployed, but I think as a way to, again, like set herself apart, she threw that onto her uh, you know, bio while she was there, so... To me, it's like just as bad, you know? Right. And and Harvard was more than willing to run with it. In October 1996, a Harvard Crimson piece said verbatim with from this is quoted from Michael Chimura. He is a HLS news director as its source. Quote, although the conventional wisdom among students and faculty is that the law school faculty includes no minority women, Elizabeth Warren is Native American. Similar claims were made in at least three other news stories, including a 97 Fordham Law Review story by Laura Padilla, which quoted a news director at HLS saying that Warren was, quote, the university's first woman of color. Um, The piece was based on a telephone interview with Michael Chimura, the news director, and it was conducted in August of 1996. He said, there are few women of color who hold important positions in the academy, Fortune 500 companies, or other prominent fields or industries. This is not inconsequential. Diversifying these arenas, in part by adding qualified women of color to their ranks, remains important for many reasons. For one, there are scant women of color as role models. In my three years at Stanford Law School, there were no professors who were women of color. Harvard Law School hired its first woman of color, Elizabeth Warren, in 1995. So, okay, retroactively, they have taken credit for it. When, when they hired her, they thought she was white. Apparently. That's, their, that's what they all say. In 1998, Harvard Law School added Lainey Gunier as its actual first woman of color on its tenured law faculty. Uh, she, but right. either way, Elizabeth... Elizabeth Warren goes on to become one of the most cited scholars in bankruptcy and commercial law from 2005 to 2009. Uh, This is when she begins becoming a presence in Washington. In 2005, she actually testified against Joe Biden when Joe Biden was, as a senator, pushing the Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act, which would have made it much more difficult for people to file for bankruptcy. Uh, In 2008, she was appointed by Harry Reid to chair the five-member Congressional Oversight Panel, which was created to oversee the implementation of the Stimulus Act and Troubled Asset Relief Program. One thing I feel like we've glossed over a little bit so far is she was a Republican this whole time. Pretty much. It's hard to say when she decided to actually change over to being a Democrat. She says, I think it was in sometime in like the 90s. But for all of her like law school teaching years, for the most part, at least until she got hired at Harvard, she did identify as a Republican. In 2012, she rises to national prominence to the point that she's at now when she runs for senator as a Democrat against Scott Brown, one of the one of the goofiest Republicans. Do you remember his insane yeah. like Cosmos centerfold pictures that surfaced at a time where he's like literally nude in these? Yeah, I didn't even know Cosmo did nudes. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, I'm not being sex negative here. He's free to show his body. But it is funny that Republicans and especially modern conservative Republicans who are all about, quote unquote, family values have all these, you know, skeletons in their closet. Oh, my God. Like like Charlie Kirk after the Super Bowl. Like, how could they put this pornography on my television for, for uh, you know, the masses? Yeah, he was just, like, gritting his teeth and clenching his fist as, like, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez twerked on stage, just getting so mad. <laughs> Either way. Um, so in 2012, this is Scott Brown is and, and all of the people who did opposition research for him on Elizabeth Warren is when this issue of Elizabeth Warren identifying as Native American comes to media prominence. Uh, this is when the story about the Association of American Law Schools desk book controversy broke. This is, um, and, and, and similarly at this time, it's important to note that the Warren and the liberal response was that this was a very low blow. This They considered it kind of like outside the scope of what should be mentioned in a senatorial race. Clearly, like, they you know, they had no idea what was going to happen four years later when Trump ran for president. But um, but yeah, there was just a lot of hand wringing. And again, the the disproving of the narrative that she got her job at Harvard because she's Native American while failing to disprove the fact, because it's true, the fact that she identified as Native American in several legal documents, several academic documents, and never really seemed to quarrel with it. She even like at times would say that she had never, she did not know that Harvard was saying that she was their first like minority high or female hire when like the articles about her are fucking like out in the very accessible press. Like, how do you not know what's being published about you? Oh, Sam, I'm sure she never read those. Yeah, like, come on. I, I don't know. It, it just seems like a very shitty deflection. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So it is worth mentioning that once she won and became a senator, she did not list herself as Native American. She lists herself as a white senator in, in the U.S. Senate, which I guess is the right thing to do. But either way, we're inching closer towards the modern era and Elizabeth Warren's current national profile. In 2015, it is worth mentioning that Bernie Sanders, at that time, just an independent senator from Vermont, encouraged Warren to run against Hillary Clinton, but she deferred to Hillary Clinton before Hillary even declared her her presidential campaign. Now, I think it's interesting that Bernie went to her because, like, she did have some, you know, pretty good progressive bona fides at that time, including uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Absolutely. Like a crucial, crucial entity that she was the brainchild of. And that and Obama, you know, Obama does love Harvard lawyers. It's worth mentioning. I mean, both in his Supreme Court picks and in in his friendship and with Elizabeth Warren and his uh, professional relationship with her. But no, that is an unassailable good thing. And even beyond that, her record as a law professor is genuinely impressive. Like she is a very accomplished legal scholar. Before we get into the the negative stuff, I will also give her, she was on the right side of a lot of fights with Obama's like Wall Street, you know, people, uh, you know, the people in his cabinet. Yeah, like Geithner. Exactly. Like she was on the right side of a lot of those fights, you know, post 2008. Absolutely. But 
Uh, so this is when we get to just the the when she really absolutely shit the bed in before she even announced her presidential run in 2018. The thing that we alluded to earlier. Uh, it is worth mentioning that in January 2018, Harvard did hire its first actual Native American tenured professor named Philip Deloria, and he teaches Native American history at Harvard. But shout out. Later in 2018, we have the $1 million Trump charity donation fiasco. So at a a rally in Great Falls, Montana, on July 5th, 2018, Trump says, quote, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity paid for by Trump if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian. I have a feeling she will say no, but we'll hold that for the debates. He later denied saying this, but it's on fucking camera. Like, we have a clip of him saying it. (laughs) And is this where he originated the Pocahontas nickname? I feel like he had been using that before, but crucially, this is when he says he makes this completely empty promise that he will donate a million dollars to Elizabeth Warren's favorite charity if she can prove that she is Native American by any meaningful degree. Do you recall... Who encouraged her to do the DNA test? No, I do not. It was, in fact, the Pod Save America bros. Oh, God. Idiots. What a bunch of dunces. Also, they, you know, they have connections to the fucking uh, acronym, the company that, uh, you know, whose subsidiary thing, uh, fucking Shadow, botched the Iowa caucus. Yes, yeah, they're they're getting a lot of negative press, which is very well deserved now. Uh, even though they had been kind of embracing Bernie earlier on in the campaign, I don't know those guys. Those guys are a bunch of useless nerds, just like Elizabeth Warren. But like catastrophically, I mean, can you imagine Trump saying he's going to give you a million dollars and you believing him? Has Trump ever even paid like his contractors or? anybody he's never given his charity is a gigantic money laundering scheme he's never fucking paid or been honest uh, you know about what he's going to give money to in his fucking life but elizabeth warren just with like the innocence of a child and goaded by i guess the pod save america bros completely shits the bed by responding to trump getting a DNA test and demanding that Trump donate to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center because she somehow got a, a DNA test that said that she, I guess going back between six or 10 generations, had had one Native American ancestor. And let's play some of the horrific campaign video that they shared and have since deleted from social media where she declared uh, this DNA test. <laughs> said she's Native American. And I said, Pocahontas. Pocahontas, I apologize to you. I apologize. To you, I apologize. To the, to the fake Pocahontas, I won't apologize. I hear some of you are Republicans. I am a Republican registered. Yes. What do you think of him calling her Pocahontas? Well, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's I think it's silly. I think it's crap. He's about stuff he doesn't have any idea about. It's offensive to me, not just as Betsy's cousin, but as a Native American. They feel like an attack on me and my mom, but mostly on my grandmother. And my mamma's not around to defend herself. My mother was born in eastern Oklahoma. 
It had been Indian territory until just a few years earlier when it had become a state. My daddy always said he fell head over heels in love with my mother the first time he saw her. But my daddy's parents, the Herrings, were bitterly opposed to their marrying because my mother's family, the Reeds, was part Native American. This sort of discrimination was common at the time. So when my mama was 19 and my daddy was 20, they eloped and together they built a family, my three older brothers and me. They used my daddy's relentless optimism when I was balancing babies and books. But my background played no role in my hiring. What does Warren translate into Cherokee as? Spreading bull? <laughs> they call her Pocahontas. No criticism from me. <laughs> you know Elizabeth Warren, right? What most people find offensive is Senator Warren lying about her heritage to advance her career. Do you remember her heritage ever coming up during the hiring process? No, no, no. Her heritage had no bearing on her hiring, period. I was chairing the committee that year. If ethnicity had been part of the discussion, I would have known about it. Her name with respect to racial minority hires, no, never. And we will very gently take that kit and we will slowly toss it. Be very gentle. And we will say, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know. Hi, this is Elizabeth Warren. Is Dr. Bustamante in, please? And we will very gently take that kit and we will slowly toss it. Be very gentle. And we will say, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know. Hi, this is Elizabeth Warren. Is Dr. Bustamante in, please? Hi, I'm Carlos Bustamante, and I've advised companies in the direct-to-consumer space, including Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and Helix. In the senator's genome, we did find five segments of Native American ancestry with very high confidence, where we believe the error rate is less than one in a thousand. Now, the president likes to call my mom a liar. What do the facts say? The facts suggest that you guys absolutely have a Native American ancestor in your pedigree. Okay. We come from Oklahoma. When we were born, they said, these are the parents, these are your grandparents, these are your aunts and uncles. Their word was always their bond. They were honest. That's right. Well, that's what Bessie's been saying. I'm not enrolled in a tribe, and only tribes determine tribal citizenship. I understand and respect that distinction, but my family history is my family history. Who, Pocahontas? This isn't just about casual racism, war hoops and tomahawk chops. Native communities have faced discrimination, neglect, and violence for generations. And Trump can say whatever he wants about me. But mocking Native Americans or any group in order to try to get at me, that's not what America stands for. Some people have questioned my heritage and my family history. Maybe they do it to insult me. Maybe they do it to distract from the kinds of changes I'm fighting for and the kind of change I'm trying to bring to Washington. Maybe they do it because they think politics is a blood sport. But my parents were real people. The love they shared, the struggles they endured, the family they built, the story they lived will always be etched on my heart. And no one, not even the President of the United States, will ever take it away from me. I want to put on my uh, Chris Saliza analyst hat and 
have this is like a CNN headline that I that Warren should have like heated, not a real one, but one that I thought it probably is a real one that Saliza wrote. Trump is the troll in chief. Yep. It sounds stupid, but literally like what I love about how Bernie faces Trump is he keeps it like kind of substantive and like I don't think that he would have stooped to like fucking putting out a horribly uh offensive video like this. No, he you can absolutely never meet Trump on his own terms cuz he doesn't fight fair ever. And the idea that you thought the, the idea that she thought that this would have dissuaded him in any way is just so fucking laughable. And again, like we said, completely disqualifying if we're going to expect that she would run a, a presidential campaign against him. Because you know he's going to go for these low blows, but she was so willing. She just took the bait and made this massive, unforced error. Awful instincts, awful judgment, just not the person we want to... I fucking represent us. I, 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 I don't know how, I, I don't know how you could possibly, you know, with a straight face say Elizabeth Warren could win a general election against Donald Trump in 2020. Yeah. Not if she's willing to do this shit. It's, it's so stupid and so embarrassing. So she immediately starts trying to run damage control because the video did not go off the way that she expected, obviously. She released the test to the Boston Globe on October 2018. Um, This is one month after, for the first time in six years, that the controversy became a thing. Um, She... She had initially, ever since Scott Brown made the accusation that she had gotten the job at Harvard because she was Native American, she was like this affirmative action or diversity hire or whatever, she for the first time released her university personnel files to the Boston Globe. Um, The Boston Globe had also reviewed and verified her records, conducted more than 100 interviews with her colleagues and every reachable person who played a role in hiring Warren. They reached out to, quote, all 52 of the law professors who are still living and were eligible to be in that pound hall room at Harvard Law School when she was hired. Uh, Some are Warren allies. Others are not. 31 agreed to talk to the Globe, including the law professor who was at the time in charge of recruiting minority faculty. Most said they were unaware of her claims to Native American heritage. And all but one of the 31 said that those claims were not discussed as part of her hire. One professor did tell the Globe that he's unsure about whether her heritage came up or not. He was certain that if it did, it had no bearing on his vote on Warren's appointment. Uh, and I mean, many HLS stats do show that they wanted to hire a woman that year. So maybe she, maybe they, you know, maybe the fact that she was a woman played some role in their decision, but it seems like it was not based on their, uh, you know, on her native American heritage. If we can take all these Harvard lawyers at their word, you know, this jury may still be out on that, but the parallels to like the Hillary Clinton quote, but her emails thing are kind of uncanny to me. It became this like big flashpoint where like with Hillary Clinton, with the, e- the Podesta emails that got released, her supporters kept saying that that wasn't a big deal and that she had already, you know, disproved the conservative conspiracy theories that she had said, done all these dastardly things and, uh, you know, absconded with these things. But if you actually go through those, Podesta emails, they are pretty damning. They show, I mean, they do show the DNC conspiring against Bernie Sanders in that primary. Literally Tom Perez saying in an email, we need to like neutralize the perception that Bernie has Latino support. Tom Perez is the current DNC chair 
who is fucking up royally this, uh, you know, Iowa caucus thing. Right. It's the sort of thing where releasing all the data and acting like this disproves everything the conservatives are saying when it only really disproves like half of what they're saying. It, it just doesn't work because again, the issue is not, ne- it's not totally whether she got the job because she's native American. The issue is, did you pretend you were native American when you fucking aren't? And the answer to that unequivocally is yes, she fucking did. It's the perception that you're a fucking liar. Like, it's it's about perception, you know? It's the same thing with Clinton, really. Absolutely. Like, if the more research you do on it, the more you realize that she did lie, misrepresent, or and or exaggerate her heritage. And that's just... That's just a fact, and she is basically, by releasing all this information, made that beyond a reasonable doubt true. I mean, by a preponderance of the evidence, basically. Uh, either way... Uh, on February 1st, 2019, Warren broke down and apologized to the Cherokee Nation. Um, unfortunately for her, a few days later, the Texas State Bar License story uh, broke. <laughs> so she had yet another Oops. document link say, showing that she fucking lied about her heritage. Either way. Uh, and of course, what better time to announce that you're running for president? On February 19th, 2019, she announces her 2020 run for president. And I'd also like to point out that this is after Bernie had announced, yes. she jumped in the race. All pundits said, well, why would you vote for this crusty Jew? And, and uh, you know, when they're exactly the same. And do you want to just debunk that argument right now, like, really quick, that they're the same, like, policy-wise? Because I have seen it a bit in the last few days. Like, you know, I saw, like, fucking uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from God. Community, uh, you know, Shirley from Community, tweeted something like, you know, why would you vote for Bernie Sanders when there's a woman with the exact same policy set? And it just, like, makes my blood boil because they are not the fucking same. No, I mean, so we should give her policies some airtime because we're serious and we want her to be a serious candidate. She purports to be a very serious and intellectual candidate with a lot of big ideas and quote-unquote plans, but... I mean, so she's got a wealth tax. She wants to repeal the Trump tax cuts, tax households with net assets of $50 million, um, a 2% wealth tax. Households with $1 billion or more in assets would get a 6% wealth tax. Fine. She wants to break up Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Totally reasonable. I agree. But Medicare for all is really where the difference between her and Bernie becomes very clear. Warren started with a very full-throated endorsement of Medicare for all. Uh, If you remember in those early debates, Bernie and... Warren were the two who were like the they got all the unfair questions from the moderators of like, you know, isn't isn't free healthcare what Stalin wanted? Like all those kinds of dumb leading fucking loaded questions were directed at her and Sanders. So, I mean, she started out being close to his position um, and she also wanted to eliminate private insurance, which is a a key element of Sanders's uh, Medicare for all proposal whereas some others say that we should do like a public option or some other nonsense but either way in november 2019 uh, elizabeth warren completely reversed position on that and she then said that she favored a long-term phase-in beginning with a public option despite its distinctly generous terms warren's medicare for all option would be probably unaffordable to most people who fail the means test that's inherent to the plan austerity baby 
Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that means testing. If a family of four makes more than $51,000 a year, they will be deemed to have the quote-unquote means to pay premiums and co-pays, which is not a part of Sanders' plan. And uh, I don't know, a family of four living on $51,000 a year, uh, you know, granted, you know, Dan, you live in New York, I live in D.C., fucking impossible there's no way that like honestly an individual can't live on fifty one thousand dollars a year in either of our cities no it's it's absolutely a i mean a laughable cutoff when you consider the cost of living i don't know in most fucking places in this country yeah it's actually below the median household income in all of the united states which is sixty three thousand one hundred seventy nine dollars so basically if you make let like anywhere near the median income you will not qualify you will still have to pay premiums and co-pays under elizabeth warren's medicare for all plan uh in contrast bernie sanders as we all know wants to introduce medicare medicare for all a completely free you know at point of use version of medicare for all in the first week of his term and obviously a lot of people are going to go out and say oh there's no way he'll get this done yada yada but as we saw with Obama, you don't start at the negotiation table with the thing that you think with a compromise. You don't start with a compromise. You start with what you actually fucking want. And it's very cl- important when you are running for president to make it very clear to the voters what you want. Bernie Sanders, if you ask anybody, what does he want? He wants health care to be 100% free, no private insurance, no copays, no premiums. And when people press him on the details, he says, we have to get it done. It's not so much of a, of a matter of like, you know, Elizabeth Warren's the one who's like, I've calculated all these things and all this shit as if that will somehow, com- you know, convince the Republicans. We saw during the Obama years that Republicans are going to veto all of it. You have to struggle against them and you might as well start out with what you fucking want not what you think you can get. It's a very clear difference between Warren and Sanders. Warren is, like Obama did, starting with a negotiation plan, with a compromise. Something that's very personal to me, um, and I think is like non-negotiable that Sanders advocates for in his Medicare for All plan, and Warren does not, is Warren's plan has zero like fucking universal zero fucking uh coverage for mental health care it's not even like part of it yep i mean who who needs that right just suck it up and stop complaining <laughs> literally like you know it's it's crazy it's something everybody in this fucking country needs and it's like you know you could say we have access to it but i fucking know how much therapy costs for me to do and it's a lot. It's fucking. It's and I have insurance. Yeah, I, I no. I, I'm also I rep the therapy, and it it is a significant. I mean, I that's basically the only thing I spend money on out of my uh, my healthcare savings account. It's, and I'm glad I have that. I guess, but you know, it should be fucking free. Like everyone should get the benefits of mental health. You know, checkups. And you'll never hear Bernie use the fucking cursed, fucking liberal buzzword of access to healthcare. Ugh. access absolutely one of the worst things no he just believes in healthcare. but either way like so as we've established there is, there are very significant differences between warren and sanders on a policy level but i think there were a lot of people even pro sanders people who were like 
let's not go in on Elizabeth Warren. She's more on our side than on, you know, Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg's side. But in 2020, new year, new new Liz, she really fucking stabbed Bernie Sanders in the back and she made it very clear that she is not on our side. 